Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert and Giles, the next generation, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm film scholar Noelle LaCroix. And I don't need to say, oh, I got it before. Oh. We're here today to talk about Consequences, the 15th episode of season three. Consequences aired on February 16th, 1999. It was written by Marty Noxon with Jane Espenson as executive story editor and Doug Petrie as story editor. And if that isn't the combination from the gods, <laughs> then I don't know what is. This episode was also directed by Michael Gershman. So we've got our holy trinity of Buffy writers here. Um yes. Of the, the amazing Buffy writers yes, that I love so much. we love to nerd out about all kinds of stuff, including the writing from one season to another all over the place. If you've been listening to Still Pretty for a while, you know that we are fully spoiled. We will talk about anything from the entire seven season run of Buffy. Sometimes we'll hop over to Angel the series. You don't know. We could do anything. <laughs> We're bad girls. Oh, wait, that was last week. I'm not looking to hug and cry and learn and grow. So let's go on patrol. In Consequences, we open with Buffy underwater, struggling to get to the surface as Alan grabs her foot, trying to pull her under. When she finally makes it to the surface, Faith is there and pushes her back underwater. When Buffy wakes up from her nightmare, she finds Joyce watching TV as the news breaks that Alan's body has been found. At school, Wesley thinks Faith and Buffy should investigate the deputy mayor's murder. Giles disagrees, saying it's not a supernatural killing. Cordelia walks in, flirts with Wesley, and Wesley makes a ridiculous fool of himself. And when he's done checking out Cordy's ass as she walks away, he insists that Buffy and Faith find out what happened to Alan Finch. Buffy takes Faith into an empty classroom where she tells Faith that they have to come clean. Faith disagrees. Look, if if we don't do the right thing, it's only going to make things worse for you. Worse than jail for the rest of my young life? No way. Faith, what we did was... Yeah, we. You were right there beside me when this whole thing went down. Anything I have to answer for, you do too. You're a part of this, B. All the way. Buffy tries to talk to Willow, but Willow bails on her. Later, as investigators interview witnesses at the crime scene, Angel watches from the shadows, remembering the blood on Buffy's hands from that night. At City Hall, the mayor is busy shredding the papers Alan left behind and worries that his deputy mayor might have been a turncoat. Trick has other news for him. The deputy mayor had wooden splinters in his wound. Struck right through the heart with a sharp pointed object. Now, word is someone was fighting vampires not a block away from the scene. I mean, smart money says it was a slayer did this job. Later that night, Buffy and Faith break into Alan's office, looking for the reason why he was in that alley. Buffy thinks maybe he was looking for them. As they're about to sneak out, they see Trick in the hallway with the mayor and hide. As they're walking home, Faith says she's not surprised the mayor is a bad guy. Nine times out of ten, people hide what they really are. Buffy asks Faith to let her talk to Giles, but Faith says no. It'll blow over in a few days, and after that, they can just forget about it. In the meantime, they save more people than they hurt, so it's all okay. People need us to survive. In the balance, nobody's going to cry over some random bystander who got caught in the crossfire. I am. Buffy goes home, however, to Detective Stern, who cross-examines both her and Faith about the murder. They keep to their story, saying they know nothing about it. Buffy goes to see Willow, who starts to talk about their issues, but when Buffy starts crying, she feels terrible, thinking it's her that upset Buffy so much. Buffy tells her what's happened, and Willow tells her to go to Giles. Buffy goes to the library, but when she gets there, Faith is already there, and she tells Buffy that it's okay. She told Giles everything. I told him. You told him? I had to. He had to know what you did. Buffy tries to explain, but Giles shuts her down, telling her firmly to stop lying and get into his office. He sends Faith away, and as soon as she's gone, he's like, Just joshing you, Buff! I knew it was Faith all along! Or, you know, the British version of that. While Buffy recovers from her heart attack, Giles says he needed Faith to feel safe so they could figure out what to do next. Buffy tells him what happened, and he says it's not unheard of. Slayers are on the front lines of a war, accidents happen, and the council has a process for it. But Giles knows those fuckers aren't trustworthy. But of course, as he and Buffy are talking, Wesley is listening outside the door because of course he is. 
Yes, hello. Mr. Travers, please. Quentin Travers. Wesley Wyndham Price calling. The Scoobies gather to figure out the best way to approach Faith, and Xander suggests that they have a connection. Everyone figures out that Xander and Faith had sex, and they gloss over that and move on to the other ways of reaching Faith. Willow cries in the bathroom, and Xander, despite being told that Faith does not take the guy she has a connection with very seriously, goes to see Faith. He tries to talk to her, to tell her he's on her side, but she throws him down on the bed and assaults him, and puts her hand around his neck and demonstrates her power by choking him. Just as Xander's about to pass out, Angel comes in, knocks Faith in the head with a baseball bat, or is it a vampire bat, and chains her up in his mansion. He tries to talk to her, but she mocks him, so he goes to the courtyard where Buffy waits, anxiously awaiting Faith's return from the dark side. I don't want you to get your hopes up, Buffy. Uh, she may not want us to help her. She does. She just doesn't know how to say it. She killed a man. It changes everything for her. In his office, the mayor watches security footage of Faith and Buffy breaking into Alan's office. The mayor says they don't have enough evidence to put the Slayers in jail for Alan's murder, so he puts Trick on the job of taking Buffy and Faith out of the equation. Meanwhile, Angel tries to talk to Faith, and he's making progress when Wesley comes in with a bunch of watchers and grabs Faith. By the order of the Watchers Council of Britain, I'm exercising my authority and removing you to England when you will accept the judgment of the disciplinary committee. In the truck, Faith gets the best of the Watchers and forces Wesley to set her free. She jumps out into the road and runs off. Buffy comes back to the mansion and finds Angel on the floor. At the library, Buffy's trying to figure out how to save Faith when Willow suggests maybe they don't. Faith killed a guy and attacked Xander. Maybe she belongs behind bars. Wesley comes in and reports that Faith got free, and Buffy assigns everyone a territory to search for her. Everyone except Wesley, that is. What can I do? I want to help. Still got your ticket back to the mother country? Buffy finds Faith at the docks, ready to hop on a freighter. While they argue, they're attacked by Trick and a bunch of vamps. Faith takes them out, and as Trick is about to strangle Buffy, Faith dusts him too. Buffy returns to Giles and tells him that Faith might be redeemable. But later that night, the mayor is in his office when there's a knock on the door. You sent your boy to kill me. That's right, I did. He's dust. I thought he might be, what with you standing here and all. I guess that means you have a job opening. All right, Noel. So, consequences. Consequence, good times, come on. <laughs> there's some consequences. What did you think? This is a fantastic episode. Yeah. I mean, we're like, there's a reason that season three is as beloved as it is, and it's because yes. it's really, 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 really good. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot, a lot, a lot going on here. And we start with my favorite of Buffy's dreams so far. Uh-huh. It's so beautiful and evocative. And this isn't a prophetic dream. No. I mean, not exactly. It's more of your standard run-of-the-mill nightmare based on the anxiety of what's going on in your life. Right. And I appreciate that. <laughs> a <laughs> like, processing your trauma dream. Yes, clearly. Exactly. Clearly. I mean, and it's like clear symbolism with Buffy mm -hmm. caught between Alan and Faith and Faith's betrayal yeah. pushing her back down. And symbolically, the water is also the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can think of more than one movie that feature a character floating in a swimming pool and we're meant oh, to sure. understand that they're mm -hmm. lost in thought, you know. <laughs> but Buffy is trapped in her mind, yeah. totally unable to escape Alan. And it's Faith who keeps her trapped there. Mm -hmm. um, and we got water as very sinister last week in Bad Girls. Um, right. You know, which for the characters is less than 24 hours ago. I know. I mean, it's crazy when you think yeah. about how fast all this is happening. Yeah. So, I mean, last week we had a vampire holding Buffy's head underwater. Uh -huh. Balthazar, of course, in his tub, you know, yes. warning Buffy about what's going to happen with the mayor. And then we have Faith, Lady Macbething her shirt in the sink right. at the end. Mm -hmm. So water, the unconscious mind, is where the bad things and the scary messages live. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And this is a big psychology episode so i'm not surprised that we open with this super symbolic 
dream. I mean, it's yeah. such a psychology episode that Cordelia mentions Freud and Young <laughs> and her psychology class, like, <laughs> just in case we didn't get it. You know? Right. This is not <laughs> accidental. It no. is not accidental. Um, no. And I also like that we've got Buffy kind of back in this role as the Jiminy Cricket, right? She is everybody's, you know, like moral compass. And but most yes. especially for Faith. And the thing is, is that right now, like we've been kind of in this in this space where we've been drawing these distinctions between Buffy and Faith, you know, that Buffy is the one who thinks and she's the one who plays by the rules and Buff and Faith is the wild one, you know. Um, but when it comes right down to it, like they were both on the same side. They were both slayers. They were both fighting the good fight. But mm -hmm. now here we have in this in this discussion of power, which is what Buffy the entire series is always about, you know, it's always about power and how you deal with power. We have Buffy actually earning her power, you know, because neither one of these girls earned their power. They were just chosen, right? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's just given to you and then you have to earn it, you know, right. and Buffy is earning it by holding herself to a very strong moral standard. Um, and she is trying to also be that for faith. But Faith doesn't have that moral standard or Faith's moral math. I mean, she's doing the classic Slayer calculus, right? Which is <laughs> yes. how many people have we saved? We're in the plus column. Although we know, as we have discussed, that there is no, you know, that math doesn't have anything to do with each other. That is apples and oranges, you know? Right. Um, so you cannot use one to like erase the other. No matter how many people you save, you still have to deal with the ones that you killed. You know, the ones right. that you not just didn't save because failing to save somebody is not necessarily a fault, but the ones that you actively did damage to, you know, in the process. Um, and faith is so God. And, and I love this performance, you know, from Eliza Dushku because there is so much um, vulnerability mm -hmm. in the way that she's presenting herself. She is, putting forth this idea, you know, um, she, it's, it's almost like her entire affectation, you know, is covering up like her makeup, her dark hair, her clothes, it is all covering up. It's all armor, you know, oh, yeah. against this thing that she cannot face, you know, which is that she killed this man, you yeah. know, and at the end of the last episode, I don't care. Like, it's such a lie. Oh, she yeah. clearly cares. And as she's making this argument to Buffy, she makes it so eloquently because this is what been, she's been saying in her head this whole time. Right. She's been trying to make it okay. And then she throws it out to Buffy to try to make it okay. Right. And then when Buffy's like, I care, you know, she's like, well, that's your loss. Yep. And she just walks away from it because she yep. cannot face it. So her intense vulnerability um, is so clear throughout this whole episode. And even when she is, you know, walking into the mayor's office at the end of the episode saying you got an opening, you know, yeah. she's still so incredibly vulnerable and how she manages to pull that together. I mean, Eliza Dushku pulling all that together, playing all that so well, you know, a lesser actress wouldn't have been able to get all of that across so well in her, in just her physicality and the way that she says the things that she says, that even when she seems confident, she's not confident, you know? Oh, yeah. I think it's just so, it's so brilliantly done. And I love that, that kind of play between, you know, what is required of a slayer and what happens when the slayer doesn't have the strength to hold herself to that moral compass. You know, yeah. when you have all that power and you can't, pull yourself back from it when necessary. Um, it's just, it's amazing. I think it's so incredibly good. Yeah, it's such a psychologically rich episode. And yeah. I mean, I think the combination of Marty Noxon's writing and Eliza Dushku's performance yes. really, really give it, you know, these layers that I think wouldn't necessarily, we wouldn't necessarily see in a character yeah. like Faith elsewhere. I mean, we get such a fantastic view of Faith's inner life and the yeah. way her mind works. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when she and Buffy are in Alan's office and they're looking around and she says, we did the right thing because it's clear right. that there was some corruption going on. It's clear that she's talking to herself. Like she's mm -hmm. talking herself out of her guilt. And she hits this point with Buffy so so hard you know that it it 
doesn't matter what kind of a vibe you get off a person because, Mm -hmm. you know, people can be corrupt and you don't know it. She's, you know, we are better. She's very, very cynical, Mm -hmm. very cynical. But she needs that cynical view of the world for Mm self-protection. I mean, she says, I'm not looking to hug and cry and learn and grow. And it's a funny Mm -hmm. moment. But it. She's also saying, I don't want comfort and I don't want change. Yeah, I would rather keep it. this armor up. Yes. You know, I would rather lean into the little bit of power that I get by feeling like I'm better than other people. Right. You know, rather than open up, be vulnerable and, you know, admit how much she's struggling and how much she's hurting. Yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting is she says, um, you know, we are better and they're having this fight. And, you know, we've got Buffy on the one side saying, like, no, you can't do this. And Faith says, yes, I can. You know, mm-hmm. we just see things differently. But then the scene that follows that is the detective cross-examining them. And in terms of the editing, mm-hmm. they're equals. Yeah. It's really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so Faith is a hurt person who hurts people, but that doesn't make her worse or less than Buffy. And I really, really like that about the way that this is presented. Yeah. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not okay for her to hurt people, but I almost like, I feel the writing and the editing saying, of course, Faith responds this way. Yeah. Of course she does. You know, and then, so Buffy goes to Giles, you know, she's finally going to, She's finally going to get Giles involved. And then Faith steps out from Giles's office and the close up oh. of her face. Uh huh. Oh, my God. There's so much there. There's so much in that expression. And then she can't meet Buffy's eye after that. After she says, I told him what you did. Yes. You know, he oh had God, to know what such you a did. Wonderful turn. Yeah. Such, it's such a powerful and I moment. I love that whole thing because Giles is like Buffy get in my office Faith go home you know and like stop lying and he yells at Buffy and you know there's this moment and it is it's one of those things that's like the audience fake out you know except that he is truly trying to fake out Buffy and Faith in that moment so that he can buy some time but I love that he just he just knows you know, yeah. like he just knows he knows that Faith is the one that killed Alan. He knows that Buffy didn't do it. And Buffy's trying to explain all of this to him. And he's like, I know, honey, like just <laughs> she's not down. good at lying. It's fine. Oh, my yeah. God. It's so it's, it's, it's wonderful. So good. And it's mm-hmm. so it's that deep psychological understanding of this very, very difficult situation. Yeah. You know, this very difficult fictional situation, yes. by the way. But like the emotional resonance is so authentic. Mm-hmm. Um. And I just, I mean, that whole scene, that whole scene is just masterfully done. And the betrayal of it is so layered. Yes. Um, You know, not just with the audience fake out, but but with Faith, Faith's own like self-betrayal, because it's not just that she's covering her own ass. Yeah. It's also her understanding even if even if it's an unconscious understanding that Buffy matters yeah. and that she, Faith, does not. Yeah. If Faith goes to jail, there's no guarantee that she'll get out again. Right. You know, mm-hmm. there's no guarantee that anyone will care if anything yeah. happens to Faith. And later we get this tidy little critique of the prison industrial complex in the yeah. Wesley Faith behind bars conversation. Uh-huh. Um, you know, where Angel says, first you terrorize her. Then you put her back on the streets. Yes. Nothing, nothing that they would do to Faith, nothing that the Watchers Council would do, mm-hmm. you know, following this like protocol of yeah. justice is actually going to Is actually her. going to help her. It's not going to rehabilitate her. You know, yeah. locking up Faith will do nothing to help her and will almost certainly cause further harm. Yeah. Um. So Faith attempting to throw Buffy under the bus is also... I mean, like, I get sort of choked up about it because she is, it's almost her saying, I don't matter. And I know that you think I don't matter because if I get in trouble for this, if I am, if this mistake that I made Mm -hmm. is attached to me in any way, I'm going down. If this mistake is attached to Buffy, Mm -hmm. she'll be okay. She'll be cared for. Right. But she also knows, you know, she knows that. She's just buying time. 
Like she knows yeah. that once oh, Buffy sure. speaks that, that they're going to believe her. It's not going to be long before they figure it out. And so when Xander goes to see her, mm-hmm. because in that moment, you know, she's sexually assaulting him. Yeah. She's choking him. She could kill him. You know? Yeah, she says. But the fact that she's attacked make you die. him. Right. But the fact that she's attacked him means that, like, everybody's going to know. Like, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to see her as the innocent one who absolutely did not stake that guy in the heart, you know? Right. Um. So her, the way that she is with Xander, and that scene, that scene is so heartbreaking in a million ways. I mean, it's heartbreaking because watching that is really difficult, you know, for anybody who's a survivor of, of that kind of thing. That can be really, mm-hmm. really difficult to to watch and engage with um, just from that perspective. But it's also Faith actively trying to smother that part of herself, like oh, the yeah. good part of herself. If she attacks Xander, you know, then she is truly going to be irredeemable, that there's no way back. I think that it's harder for Mm. her when there's still a chance that she could turn it around, you know, when there's still Mm -hmm. a chance. And I think that's why at the end she goes to the mayor, because you have to close those doors. As long as those doors are open, it's just it's too hard, you know? Yeah. And so she makes that choice with this attack on Xander to close that door. She makes that choice going to the mayor to close that door, you know, because she can't have it open. And that's, you know, it's so heartbreaking because it is this, this huge internal conflict within faith because she's not a bad person. You know, she just, it's just too hard to be good knowing that she has no support, that there's nobody there to help her. I mean, even when we get Giles talking about, you know, that that these things happen, that this is not the first time that it's happened, that the Watchers Council has, you know, has a protocol for this. And even as he says it, he says, but no, we're not doing that because that protocol is bullshit, you know, right? Um, yeah. and that the Watchers Council is not trustworthy. You cannot trust them. Mm-hmm. I love seeing that from Giles, because even though like, yeah, he's been fired from the Watchers Council, like after Helpless, after what they made him do, you know, he does not trust them anymore and he's never going to yeah. trust them again. And that is a growth for Giles as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's God. It's so good. It's such a psychologically crunchy episode. I just love it. I know. Um, it's so wonderful. Yeah. That that I love your read on that scene with Xander of Faith trying to strangle her own yeah. connection to goodness, because, yes. of course, of course, if she kills Xander, you know, that like, there's no, there's no way to pin that on Buffy, you know? Right, like, that's right. Not... <laughs> exactly. Like, she's, she's giving it up, you know? She can't like, come back from that. Yeah. But you also don't what I love about that, that right? what I love about that, I love that scene. I mean, I hate oh, it. God. It's like horrible to watch, yeah. but I love it um, because, I mean, speaking of psychologically crunchy, like we get... Xander and Faith talking about everything at once. Yeah. Xander wants to help the Scoobies, but he also wants to help himself. So he's simultaneously Mm -hmm. being selfless, attempting to bond with Faith, you know, in the way that he's offered to because he has this connection with her. Yeah. Um, You know, when it's really important that the group get through to her. Mm -hmm. And, And simultaneously... He's being selfish because his ego is bruised by the idea that he doesn't matter to faith. Yes. That he is vulnerable to being used. So he's there. He's there with both. You know, he brings both light and shadow Xander with him when he goes to speak to her. And of course, she is, you know, bringing light and shadow faith to that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she makes it very clear to him right away that you know i have the power in this situation Mm -hmm. you know like like you could make something happen if i didn't want it to she says to him and he's just like yes like i will allow you to be the dominant in this situation Mm -hmm. because i need to help my friends by getting through to you but also like you can see him sort of reaching for 
Like, please connect with me. Like, please open up to me. Let this be something. I don't want to say other than you used me, but in addition to, in addition to, like, I will let there's more there. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a weird Xandarian nobility in saying, okay, yes, I will be low status. I will let you use me if it benefits my friends. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. if I can use being used to get through to you. And, and, you know, reverse this whole horrible situation. I right. will do it. But, but he does it in the their... worst possible way, though. Like, he comes in there and he's like, I've seen how you are. You're a wild thing. And you mm-hmm. know what Faith doesn't need to be reminded of right then? That she's mm-hmm. a wild thing and not a human person. That she has no control. That the fact that she had, and also, and also the fact that she had a sexual response you know, to this intense adrenaline experience and that she invited him into that sexual response. Yeah. And he talks to her like that makes her not human. Like a woman in charge of her sexuality is not human. So in that moment, I'm like, Xander, you know, this is not what she needs to hear. You know, and I'll testify that you are a wild sexual thing, you know, (laughs) in in court. Um, I think he says the wrong thing. Now, that doesn't mean that he deserves what happens to him. What happens to him is terrifying. Um, and I'm very sympathetic to Xander in that moment because of my personal experiences, which make that um, something that's, that's you know, very, very difficult. I mean, it's honestly very, very difficult for me to watch that scene um, because I can't think about anything except what she's mm-hmm. doing to him in that moment and how it feels and what to that be feels that like. person. Yeah. You know, like what yeah. it feels like to be that person who's, who's you know, being overtaken in that way. Um so so that is all really difficult. And also like this this sense that we have about the sexual trauma for Xander, you know, mm-hmm. I think that we tend to erase men's experience of any kind of sexual trauma because we have this idea that men always want sex, um, that it's not possible to traumatize a man sexually, that um, but these things, it is, you know, men feel that the same way, like victims are victims, you know, mm-hmm. it happens. And, um, and so seeing Xander go through that and I'm thinking, please, let's not erase this experience. from. We do get a little bit of him yeah. later. You know, we see him, you know, as they're all sitting around trying to figure out what to do, we see that kind of blank look on his face after what he's been through. When Willow is saying, you know, she tried to kill Xander, he's got bruises on his neck. You know, like this is very, very serious. But we're also like in that moment, I think, supposed to identify with Buffy still wanting to save Faith. You know, we're still focused on Faith and we're still focused on how Faith can be saved and can be redeemed and all of this, you know, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. she's hurt Xander. She sexually assaulted Xander and it erases, I think a bit of that trauma. And I feel like we erase it, you know, because he's a guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, because being overpowered, you know, under patriarchy, being Mm -hmm. overpowered throws a person's masculinity into question because that, that is what, patriarchy is right masculinity equals power so if you are capable of being overpowered you are less than right um so yeah we do i mean we absolutely do you know not that we take anyone's trauma seriously (laughs) i mean mean, fair enough societally speaking but yeah we rarely process anyone's trauma sexual or otherwise uh you know in in buffy i mean we do but there's a lot of trauma that we don't that we right. pretend like it's not a big deal. Right. You well, know? and of course, yeah. you know, and we do that, you know, in our stories with men, you know, yeah. in the way that you see, like, you know, the, the like, the, the grizzled hero who's, like, had a really hard life and has been through some shit. Like, he's not yeah. usually allowed to be sad in a in a deep sorrow way he is sad in a i'm gonna go like punch and kick things kind of way right. or <laughs> like, we've got like broody angel you know yeah. like angel has has uh, he feels so bad and he's broody and he's dark and it's <laughs> sexy but i mean the thing is like we only represent that in ways that are sexy in ways yes. that are attractive in ways yeah. that make them seem almost more masculine because they act out all of their trauma typically through violence. And I mean, let's Mm -hmm. face it, 
Angel fights on the side of good, but he's almost never not throwing a punch of some sort. Like, you know, we rarely see him where he's not engaged in some type of violence. And that, you know, reasserts that masculinity, that aggressive masculinity, but where the the little box that we keep his tender feelings in, you know, um, (laughs) is little and it goes in a very particular place and he must still be kicking the shit out of people at the same time. So... What yeah. we require of men um, in order for them to to be traumatized but still be men is that they channel it into aggression. Yeah, yeah. And I think, but I think in the scene with, between Xander and Faith, before, yes. before it becomes an assault, mm-hmm. when she's trying, she's trying to drag him into that, that headspace and he says... It was nice. It was great. It was kind of a blur. Yeah. He's, he is not, oh God, like it's such a great scene for Xander in terms of the, the number of things that he's processing simultaneously. Yeah, Like it's a really, it's such wonderful, it's wonderful Xander in that it is layered Xander. It is layered, Xander. And it is, you know, Xander who's kind of been through some stuff, you know. And the thing is with Xander is that he is like our beta hero, you know. And Mm -hmm. beta heroes are allowed to process like some of their emotions, not all of them, because that would, you know, would dip into the masculinity too much. Because no homo, right? Exactly. No homo. Right. He could be just (laughs) sensitive. But I mean, that's the thing about Xander. Xander is so complicated and... And I I mean, I, you know, and I love Xander. Like I do, I know I complain about him a lot and I complain about him with good reason, but there's so much about Xander that I truly love and it is complicated. You know, there's, he's going there, he's trying to help her. He's trying to connect with her. He sees their sexual experience as something that actually meant something, maybe not everything, but it meant something, you know, potential for being meaningful. Like he says, you know, he's effectively saying like, we had the beginning of what could be a bond yes. here. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, meanwhile, <laughs> you know, of course, Faith is processing her own power in this yes. scene. So she is merging sex with violence because that's where her power is. You know, she exactly. says, I could make you scream. I could make you die. Yes. And she is processing this trauma of having killed an innocent man by assaulting yeah. an innocent man. Yeah. And it's super, super problematic, but also like, it's wonderfully written. It's wonderfully acted. Yes. I, I I don't love this scene for the content, but I love this scene. No, I mean, it is like, and that's the thing. Like, it, it's a very difficult scene. It's a very complicated scene. It has tons of problems. Um, but at the same time, it's rich. It's psychologically true. You yes. know, yeah. it's got layers of both dark and light faith and Xander. You know, Um, it is there's a desperation in faith to, you know, smother herself, to smother the part of herself that could ever have a bond with a guy like Xander. Like, you know, I mean, it's all of that. And then, of course, it ends with Angel (laughs) whacking her in the head with a bat. And then we move into... Oh, God, we move into what will, over the course of the series, be a long, you know, run. Of, well, not actually a long run. It's really a handful of episodes, but they're so intense and they're so powerful and they're so pivotal. You know, like over yeah. in the Angel series, we're going to see this, but this is the first time that Angel sits with with Faith and tries to redeem her. And this is the thing, is that Angel, I love this. Um, first of all, that there's somebody that, A, the Angel understands. You know, yeah. but also that can understand him, you yes. know, like if, if she comes from back from the dark side and starts to work to redeem herself, then there, that part of him is no longer alone. There's somebody who can understand. And that is the thing about the relationship between Angel and Faith that I absolutely love. And I mean, you know, and this is not something that I'm just making. Like, this is a huge part of of what happens in Angel the series. And then when both Buffy and Angel the television series are done, they continue in the comics. And the Angel comic series is Angel and Faith. Like, these two 
are bonded at a level where the only people that can really understand the other is each other. Yeah. And so having this, and I know that like, you know, this is a point in the story that if you haven't seen all of the run of everything may not feel that significant, but it is, it's such a significant moment. And the way that he understands the way that he talks to her, the way that he tries to explain it to Buffy, who is in clear denial about, Nope, we can just turn this around. We can make this better. You know, we can fix this because she desperately wants to save faith. But the thing is, is that it's not up to her to save faith. It's up to faith to save faith. And if faith doesn't want to, there's nothing you can do. You know, yep. and Angel understands that. Yep. Yep. I mean, and Faith and Angel, you know, so we have we have Xander and Faith talking about everything. You know, yeah. they're talking about one thing, but they're also talking about everything. And yeah. then we go to Faith and Angel talking mm-hmm. about everything yep. all at once, you know, merging sex and violence again, not yeah. in not in their actions, but in the, the words that yeah. they're using, you know, the way that she's framing this interaction with him. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like a BDSM relationship, which yeah. of course it's not, but again, Faith is grasping for her power and yes. Angel, Angel sees so clearly what she's doing and what's yeah. going on with her. And he says to Buffy, she may not want us to help her. Yeah. And I love that so mm-hmm. much. I love Angel's understanding and sympathy for Faith's psychological state yeah i mean it makes it makes me fall in love with him just a little bit like i never have angel feelings but this angel who understands what faith is going through Mm -hmm. a little bit and you know is talking to her about what happens when you engage with evil and then of course she says i hope evil takes mastercard (laughs) Which, okay, first of all, is just like great writing. Like, that's just a great reply. Yeah. But I also love the idea that if you think about, you know, think about what a credit card is, Faith is willing to go into debt to stay the course, this stay this, this dark side course. And it's heartbreaking. And she says it with that same grin, that same I don't care grin of like, no, like I am, I am choosing. I am choosing to separate myself from the light because I felt like the light never truly accepted me. I yes. mean, that's my read on faith. Yeah, no, she, absolutely. You know? She feels rejected by all of it, so she's going to reject it, you know? And I love, too, like, you know, and, and we come back to this, and this is something that, that Angel really brings to the series and then takes with him to his series, you know? This idea of what redemption is, what atonement is, you know, we had amends, right? Which is like essentially the first episode of the Angel series. It is essentially yes. the pilot for this. <laughs> it's the but, pilot of Angel. It's right. It's <laughs> it really is, you know. Um, it is it's kind of the origin story for that part of Angel's story. And him trying to find redemption and trying to find atonement. And it is at the same time, it's impossible. And yet also so necessary to chase. Like you can never catch it. You can never have it. You can never go back to a place where you're a person who didn't do these things. But the only way to get forgiveness, to get atonement, to make amends, redemption, you know, the only path to that is to steadfastly go after it you know, to every day. Um, when I was talking to Ian Martin of Passion of the Nerd, we were talking about amends. And one of the things that he was talking about is, is Camus, the myth of Sisyphus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like that makes me sound smarter than I am. I'm just <laughs> quoting him. Like I've never, I still have, it's like four pages. Long. I still haven't read it. Ian keeps telling me after, I have not read it yet. I'm sorry. Ian. That's how smart um, people sound smart though. They just exactly. reference other it smart makes people. You sound so smart. Just, it's so yes. great. <laughs> but he's talking about Camus, the myth of Sisyphus, that, um, that what gives life meaning is, Sisyphus, of course, is the myth of the, uh, you know, the, the guy who is spending his entire life pushing a boulder up a hill and then it rolls back down and then he goes and gets it and he pushes it back right. up, you know. So if you've ever done dishes for a family, you know how that feels. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. You know? I like to call it the myth of Dishifus. Anyway, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm upstaging your. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Your, yeah, um, yeah. No, you're, you're upstaging Ian. This is all Ian stuff. I'm stealing it. Um, so anyway. <laughs> So Anne has this whole thing where like this, this meaning is in going and getting the rock. The meaning is going down, doing it again, even though 
it feels like a useless pursuit. That is, it is the pursuit itself. That's where the meaning is, not in the end of the pursuit, not in the outcome of the pursuit. It is the pursuit itself. So the pursuit of redemption is what brings redemption. Not that you can ever make it right. Not that you can ever really atone. Not that you can make amends, you know, for some of the things that you do. But if you try, if you go for it, if you go and get the rock and push it up the hill again, you know, then you can, you're doing the thing. So that mm-hmm. it's redemption isn't an end. It's not mm-hmm. an outcome. It is a process. It is an experience. It is an action that you take every single day. And that is a huge part of what Angel is about. And what we see over when he goes into his own series, what we see over there is this huge philosophy. And there's this one moment, and I realize it's not an Angel podcast. Live with it, guys, because it's worth it. Um, there's this one <laughs> moment... There's a reason why I do a podcast about Angel. Angel, the episode, like the series has, has really, really like this. Some of it's bad. Some of it is outright just terrible. But the reason why <laughs> I love that show is because of that deep philosophy behind it. And there is this moment in Epiphany, which is in the second season of Angel, in which, you know, Angel says, if nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do. Right. Yep. And that is the myth of Sisyphus right there. The meaning is not in the end. It is in the process. It is in the action. And that honestly is what I love so much about Angel as a character, about Angel as a series. Um, There are a lot of things in the relationship with Buffy that I honestly, I don't care for that much and doesn't really necessarily, I mean, it works for me a little, you know, because I love a good, you know, star cross. (laughs) He's a vampire. She's a vampire slayer. Like, I mean, I I, I fall for that shit. It's fine. I'm susceptible, you know. Um, But what really makes me love Angel is the core of that idea, you know, that it is the pursuit of goodness rather than what happens, what you get out of the goodness itself that really is the point. Um, And it is the pursuit of the various things. It is when you go and get your rock, that is what matters. Um, And so having him at the beginning... And here I am going on for, I don't even know, what's it been, 20 minutes, an hour, days about this, about this idea that I love so much, even though it is really not part of this episode. It is sort of hinted at in this episode. It is the beginning of that in this episode. Um, Tangentially related to this episode. Right. His desire to get Faith to go and get her rock. but But we can't make her do it. You cannot force somebody to go down and get their rock. They have to do it. They have to choose it. They have to choose it every single day over and over and over and over and over again. You know, go and get the rock. And he's trying to, first of all, make Buffy understand that it's meaningless if Faith is forced to get her rock. She has to choose to go get the rock, you know, Um, and that it is only Faith who can make that choice and that if she doesn't want to make it. We have to let her go. And that is completely Buffy. He says that to Buffy, you know, in his own way. And she completely does not. It doesn't even register. She's like, nope, not an option. In my world, I make shit happen, you know. And having that kind of power does give you a sense of hyper responsibility. Yeah. You know, that like not only can not only should you try to make things happen that you have absolutely no control over, but like you you have to. You can't live in a world where you don't have the power to fix the things that are broken with it. You know, if you have all yeah. this power, what is the point if you can't fix what's broken? <laughs> and so we have all of this stuff like in these couple of scenes, you know, which are maybe four minutes total. And I've talked total, about for, yeah, uh, for a week and a half a lot of now. Time. Right. You know. <laughs> All of that is in in there, like the the nascent seedlings of all of that is in these scenes. And it is honestly some of my favorite stuff in this episode. I absolutely love it. It's so, so good. And something just hit me Mm -hmm. as you were talking about Angel and Faith and their relationship. Angel is very internal, right? He's got all of this. He's got all of this, um, you know, guilt and shame and turmoil that he carries Mm -hmm. around all the time. Mm-hmm. And faith is very external. Like that mm-hmm. is how she relates to the world. But she is external because she's not tapped into the internal and Angel is trying to get her there. Mm-hmm. Whereas Buffy is still very external with faith in the sense yes. that, you know, she says, oh, you know, like we could, you know, we can rehabilitate her essentially. Yeah. Like we can, we can take care of her and that will fix her. And Angel is trying to explain that, no, like it has to, you know, change comes from within, right? Yes. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's really like 
that's such a lovely dynamic there. And, you know, I, I love to talk about Faith and her physicality. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, of course, she uses that to get away from the Watcher's Council. Once again, I love, I love the detail that Wesley takes her out of the restraints that Angel has put her in because yes. he doesn't trust her. And then <laughs> puts, puts her restraints, in. puts his own restraints on her. And I'm just right. like, wow. And like, that look that on Faith's face when she says, yeah. what? You know, yeah. <laughs> I love that because it is like that. It's like, Wesley, you just don't understand. Like he she really would have gone with you yep. if you had said, I can help you. I can bring you to the watchers. I will defend you. I will be on your side. But instead he puts her in restraints. He further traumatizes her. And then there's just no way out. And Wesley. Oh God. Okay. Wesley. I love Wesley so much. And I know a lot of it is because of like, it is unearned in these episodes. Wesley is a big stupid dolt in these episodes and I get it, you know? Um, But I love Angel and Wesley. Wesley comes in, throws Angel in the net and apparently vampires are susceptible to garlic, holy water, steaks, fire and netting, you know? Um, I mean, uh, yeah, seriously, seriously. And, and hemp apparently is also like, you know, just completely (laughs) takes them out. It's like goddamn kryptonite. Um, but Wesley coming in and, you know, of course, all of this is informed by again, everything over in Angel, the series and, um, and, you know, the, the relationship that these two men are going to have, like the love that they are going to have. It's so heartbreaking that this is how it starts. And of course, Wesley with faith, there's going to be some very intense intense stuff happening over in the angel series with wesley and faith later and angel and faith later there's so much good stuff guys it's worth it go listen to still dead the other podcast it'll walk (laughs) you through angel we'll tell you which episodes you don't have to watch because a lot of people have trouble getting into angel they bounce off it hard because they're expecting buffy but if you are at all interested in any of that philosophical stuff it is going to delight you and the relationship between wesley and angel honestly is worth it like everything else that happens in the series there's some good stuff there's some bad (laughs) but the wesley angel relationship for me is worth it but we have the you know we see that um that moment he comes in he attacks angel he's terrible uh faith beats the hell out of him he goes back to the um to the library and this is the thing this is like the moment that wesley you know weasels his way into my heart because he's just fucked up monumentally he's just let you know a a rogue slayer who's out to kill back on the streets right um he has made everything worse he has further traumatized her and he has a choice he can go back to the watchers get more watchers double down go after faith again right or He can acknowledge that he was wrong. He can acknowledge that he fucked up and he can go to the people that hate him and try to help. Right. And that is the choice that he makes. And that is the moment that you know that there is something in Wesley, that there's something genuine and good in him. Um, And that even though he he is this kind of like pompous, insecure brat, that when it comes (laughs) right down to it. He is going to make a more humble choice, you know, Um, and he's going to try to do the right thing, even when it costs him. And it's a tiny little moment where he comes in. He says, how can I help? And then, of course, Buffy says, I don't know. Got your ticket back to the mother country and just fucking leaves him there. And I don't blame her. She's right. You know, he deserves that. But he's there swallowing his pride and offering to help. And acknowledging that he's wrong. And I think that that takes a tremendous amount of courage. And I love Wesley. I love him so much. (laughs) I mean, it's terrible. I mean, the Watcher's Council is just the worst. The Watcher's Council is the worst. And speaking of which, we actually have a message from the Watcher's Council. I think maybe now is the time to play. Hello, it's me. I don't have a lot of time today for this nonsense. A Watcher's Day is never done. Full of research and intrigue and, well, on occasion, actual slayers. The point is, as much as I'd very much like to infuse this message with subtle hints of menace, I am very, very, um, busy. So let's get to the business of it, shall we? Chipperish Media makes all the podcasts you love. Buffy, Angel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Explosive Inspiration, Patreon.com slash Chipperish, $3 a month, basically a cup of coffee, etc. Oh, just go and pay them, will you? I don't have time for all this. 
Very busy. Now, bugger off, will you? Man, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> that watchers council, man. They're just always up to something. Um, so, Wesley, going a little bit back to Wesley, I just talked about all the reasons why I love him. Now I'd like to talk about why it's so gross, right? Um <laughs> It Wesley is clearly like at the at the most if he's not in his early 30s he's in like his late 20s you know yeah. um 28 he, at the youngest at the youngest I think at the most generous we can give him 28 and so Cordelia walks in right and I mean oh, God. fair <laughs> enough Cordelia I mean the actress herself is actually 28 she looks 28 she carries herself like she's 28 she speaks like she's 28 she dresses like she's 28 in the moment when he is like oh do you teach psychology like up until that moment i'm with him right up until that Mm -hmm. moment i'm like it's a mistake she looks a lot older than she is you know um and she carries herself like a grown woman so that is like the fact that he is attracted to her in that first moment i understand she is beautiful she is she's clearly confident (laughs) clearly you know all of this stuff. And he thinks she's a psychology teacher, which is great, you know, because I mean, what a wonderful, like kind of what, what better person is there to talk to than somebody who like has a deep knowledge of psychology? I mean, that's really, really uh-huh. cool. So, um, and I'm sure that's what he was looking at her deep knowledge of psychology, not her ass. But um, then there's this moment <laughs> where he discovers that she is a student. And so everything from this point forward with Wesley and Cordelia, I don't care that she's 18. Oh, I don't care God. that it is technically legal. Everything yeah. from this moment yeah. is disgusting. I don't mind that she's got a thing for him, right? Students having a crush on their teacher, that is fine. It That's is a time-honored tradition. It's a time-honored <laughs> tradition. It happens all the time. It happens all the time, and it's completely fine. Um, students having a crush on their teacher is fine. Any or, or, or anybody you know in a position of not authority having a crush on somebody who is in authority fine the person who is in authority the older person the person in power the teacher the watcher perhaps right (laughs) these are people who have an additional responsibility to not ever ever indulge that ever like okay maybe 15 years down the road if you meet again you can start over fine but like in this context absolutely not and so he is we still see him looking at her we still see him kind of lusting after her anybody who has seen the whole series which everybody has has listened to this because they listened to our spoiler <laughs> message at the beginning and heeded our warning um we know that that there is going to be some build up of like a romance between Wesley and um and Cordelia it's not going to turn into much but it's going to be there um it is terrible and horrible and it makes me everything that I love about Wesley is almost ruined by that alone you know um so yeah it's really really gross and I hate it I hate it so much I love you so I love you so much I love you so much because you're like yeah Wesley super dark keeps a woman locked up in his closet with a bucket you know NBD but you're like checks out Cordelia's ass no canceled like I love it I just okay all right let me just say first of all spoilers for Angel second of all um (laughs) when Wesley goes dark like it is acknowledged that it's supposed to be dark and bad in the text right so I mean the thing is picking on you <laughs> I, but no but like i mean fair enough though because i'm not gonna lie dark wesley <laughs> turns me on i love him um he is absolutely like the sexiest scruffy dark wesley is the sexiest thing to me and i love him um but also like the person that he has locked up in his closet is a very bad person <laughs> Still doesn't make it okay, but a very bad person (laughs) and also a person who was powerful and also a person who did try to kill him and also a person who tried to kill Angel. So, like, it's still bad. I'm not saying it's okay to keep a woman in your closet under any conditions, right? Um, but But there are some mildly mitigating circumstances that make me able to whistle past that in a way that I cannot whistle past him objectifying, sexually objectifying a young teenage girl. Sorry can't do it that's my (laughs) that's my problem and also because the sexual objectification of her is viewed as a funny and then b okay enough that later on in the series they can share a kiss and they have like a romance sort of built up here nope nope not okay no not okay 
end of story end of discussion bad bad wesley um but but i love it i love the way giles just walks behind him she's a student like just like don't even like like don't e- like don't even go there it's so great giles oh is wesley's conscience yes. in that moment is fantastic i, I know i know it's i so love wonderful. it and then the way he pulls his hand away like oh shit like it's like he's touched something hot you know yes. suddenly like oh it burns you know <laughs> he's, he's, he's yes. a student he's like shit but then of course he does go back and like ogle her behind as she yeah. leaves you know he's and the way he says she's cheeky <laughs> uh like so gross no it's it's incredibly gross it's incredibly awful so okay let's cleanse our palate (laughs) from wesley's grossness and talk a little bit about willow because oh oh, willow oh willow god this whole thing when she's you know upset with buffy right you know buffy's upset she doesn't realize it she gets up and leaves her there in the school and then when buffy comes to her house you know, Willow starts to try to talk about their issues. And she's like, I don't want to fester. You know, she goes on this whole thing. Buffy starts crying. She's like, I don't know my own power. I mean, I'm bad. I'm bad. <laughs> it's so incredibly sweet. And then, you know, we go through this whole thing with her realizing that Xander has had sex with Faith, you know, yes. processing that by crying in the bathroom, which is so wonderful and complicated and i think the final cap on like her feelings like that about xander you know yeah yeah i think that's how we kill that you know i think so oh god oh god oh god oh god i mean the her response and the close-up on willow her reaction when he says when xander says faith was responsive yes it's so it's such an understated performance she just barely like I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure what Alison Hannigan is doing because it's like her whole affect changes, even though her face doesn't move. No, she's and unbelievable. Then she lowers her eyes. It's unbelievable. And then the sadness of the coda on that realization. Oh, you know, Buffy God. says, "Oh," and Giles says, "Oh," and they're so right. wonderfully different. And then they look yeah. at Willow and. Her voice just breaks barely. Yeah. Like she's clearly on the verge of tears. I don't need to say, oh, I got it before. I like, oh, oh I just, know. I know. I have to like lean away from my microphone because now I'm going to cry. Like she's I so, know. I love her. I love her barely holding it together and then holding it together in front of Giles when he asks her to help. Yeah. And then she goes to the bathroom to cry and, oh man. Oh God. <laughs> oh, but man. then later. Like, we don't get a chance for Willow to respond to what Faith has done to Xander, which, by the way, that reversed. If Faith had mm-hmm. done that to Willow, Xander would be out for blood, right? Oh, yeah. But Willow in that moment is listening to everybody talk about how we have to save Faith. Yes. You know, we have to rescue Faith. Buffy, after what Faith did to Xander, Buffy's like, we still have to save Faith, you know? Yeah. And Willow's like, how about we don't? Right. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, it's so quiet and she's yeah. not arguing a point. She's not like, you know, getting angry and being like, we can't let this bitch, you know, like she is not yeah. out for blood. She's just like, what if we don't, you know? Yeah. And from Willow, that stance is so powerful, you yeah. know? Um, and God. of course, because she's Willow and she's wonderful, she acknowledges both her yeah. bias and yeah. the fact that she doesn't own her friends because she says, right. I kind of have an issue with Faith sharing my people. Yeah. I love you, Willow. I love I you so know. much. I know. I know. Like, it's, it's so not, good. she's not telling her friends what to do. They're not her property. She knows that Faith. You know, like if they choose to yeah. engage with faith, you know, that's on them. But she's like, look, man, <laughs> yeah. this is not OK with me. And I know I I'm know. not unbiased, but oh, God, my she's God. Wonderful. Gah, uh, gah. It's so amazing. incredible. It's so inc- I mean, Willow, Willow will kill me with her vulnerability every yes. single time. Yes. Um, like that's just I mean, I don't know. I'm and now I'm podcasting from beyond the grave because I know. It's so good. And yet, and I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a, an acting secret behind this or a writing secret behind this, but she's so 
vulnerable, but never fragile. Yeah. And I wonder, like, how do you how do you thread that needle? with mm-hmm. a character like oh how God, is it seriously. that she's like she's an exposed nerve but she's also just like this incredible force of um right she can feel I mean, her feelings strength, but she's not yeah. destroyed by them and the thing is is that she has this essential willow strength like she is stronger than anybody in this series ever like she is able unlike everybody else like in everybody else she is able to acknowledge how she feels, to express how she feels, to allow her feelings to exist, you know, and and then go to the bathroom and let them out, you know, and then go about her day. Like the kind of strength that it takes to be able to let your feelings exist is unbelievable. And she has that strength and she always has. Um, it's she's incredible. I love Willow so much. I know. She's so great. <laughs> All right. So one more thing I got to talk about before we wrap this shit up. Uh, the mayor. The Plus, mayor. like Someone this... else we love so very oh much. God. This is when I start to love the mayor. I love when they're cleaning out Alan's office and he's like, do you think he was going to betray me? Oh, no, that's a horrible thought. And now he's dead. <laughs> I'll never have a chance to scold him. You know, and I'm like, does and the thing is, you don't know. Does he mean like by scolding? Does he mean eat him alive? Or does he mean just give him a good talking down? You know, like, I don't know. It's And it's so wonderful, this, like, G. Shucks 1950s affectation with this mayor who is so truly evil. I love it so much. And right now, to the end of the season, is where the mayor is just... I mean, up to now, he's been quirky and kind of interesting, but now it it gets so great with this relationship with Faith. When Faith walks into his office and says, you know, I I dusted your your guy. And he's like, well, I guess that by the fact that you're here, you know? Right. And she's like, well, I hear, you know, I guess you got a job opening and walks into the office. And the beginning of that relationship is so wonderful. And God, I mean, I, I absolutely love it so much. And even though we don't see much of the mayor and faith, we're about to get that, you know, but we don't see it much yet. Um, It is just so delightful he's he's just he's so much fun to watch every time the mayor is on screen yeah he's just i mean yeah you're gonna get something good (laughs) yeah it's incredible he's just so much fun harry grainer is amazing in that role um and i mean i'm sad to see trick go yeah k todd freeman loved you while you were here you were delightful and wonderful. <laughs> Unfortunately, they didn't give him anything really to do narratively aside from, you know, be second fiddle, which I'm sorry, he's no one's second fiddle. That was his first mistake, not realizing his own power. Yes. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just it, I was so sad to see him go, but I, I loved him so much. But I understand they, you know, they couldn't uh, couldn't keep him. So they couldn't keep him around. And and he in a in a delightfully different role plays Mr. Poe in a series of unfortunate events the yeah. TV series not the movie and he is delightful mm-hmm. in that um, oh god he's my, wonderful my children just finished watching that series and and you know are big fans so if you yeah. want to see K Todd Freeman do something not Mr. Trick you want to see him again be amazing See him be amazing again as anything. He doesn't have to be Trick. All of the stuff that was amazing (laughs) about Trick was purely in that performance and it was incredible. Um, So I absolutely love all of that. I think it's amazing. All right. So um, I don't know. Do we have any patriarchy this week? Well, I mean, (laughs) I mean, the the Watchers Council Council always. The Watchers Council. I mean, yeah. And just this notion that, you know, we're going to we're going to rescue Faith from angel but then go ahead and lock her up again because you know protocol must be followed even though you know we've established at this point that the watchers council is maybe mm-hmm. maybe doesn't really give a shit about its slayers i mean yeah. if we didn't mm-hmm. know before we definitely know now um, oh absolutely slayers so, are tissues to yeah. them they don't care yep. they're expendable yeah, yeah. So the Watchers Council is terrible. And and Wesley is our representation of the Watchers Council. So he, of course, is a representation of the patriarchy. Um, And I both love him and I'm grossed out by him. So there's that. We've already had that discussion. Um, Girl power (laughs) moment of the week. What's your what's your girl power moment of the week? I don't know. Like, I didn't feel especially like girl powery this week, which is strange because we get some great 
Buffy Faith mm-hmm. interactions, but I think nobody nobody really comes out on top, so to speak. Um, <laughs> you know, they they fight, and yeah. they're ki- I kind of see a point on both sides, and uh-huh. I don't know. Like, do you do you have anything that feels particularly? I mean, Willow. Like, I mean, Willow. But... Willow is girl power to me. Willow is, is has such incredible strength and power in her ability to deal with her emotions with what's going on to see herself clearly to Mm -hmm. express things to not hold it in and fester you know um (laughs) it's just yeah Yeah. she's just so delightful i love her yeah well speaking of willow i've been giving some thought to willow's overalls yes um they have become a staple of her wardrobe at this point and Uh they you know i was like at first, I was like, oh, that's cute. Like, and it feels very Willow. But the more mm-hmm. I thought about it, the more I realized that it's kind of perfect character, um, you know, communicating through wardrobe because overalls um, can look very childish. Yes. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they are actually kind of fashionable. I mean, they're back in fashion now, which is a little yes. weird to me, but uh-huh. they were fashionable at the time. Um, I had a pair of bright yellow Dickies overalls, uh-huh. much like Willow's brightly colored overalls um, that then I felt too ashamed to wear because they were mm-hmm. very bright yellow. But anyway, <laughs> that's me and my insecurity, right? Yeah, right. Um, but I love, so I love that they're, they're, you know, they're sort of sweet and childish. They're on trend. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're heart guarding because they cover oh, her chest. It's armor. So it's like, it's like her little armor. And oh, I just, my God. Her little. Yeah. I know. It's. I can't. So I, lo- I love Willow so much. <laughs> We're about to get so much good Willow. I know. So much I know, good I know. Willow. <laughs> All right, Lonnie, what's your favorite part? Oh, God. Angel and Faith. Angel trying to save Faith. Angel going through that whole thing with her and talking to her about it and and bonding with her over it. Um, There's so much richness in there. And I realize a lot of it is extra textual to this episode. I mean, it's within the Buffy verse itself, you know, eventually. But um, in this episode, it is that that nascent seedling of something that I love so much. It just delights me. How about you? What's your favorite part? Okay. So when Faith is egging Buffy on, at the docks and then Buffy finally decks her and Faith <laughs> comes back with there's my girl um Aww. I I have some gay feelings about that moment <laughs> I that that uh that made my little sadistic heart very happy because yeah I no I mean I'm Faith. Right. I mean, I'm completely straight. Like, we've realized there's nothing I can do about this. I live with it, right? But I got to say, that even tweaked me a little bit. I was like, oh, hello. (laughs) (laughs) It's very nice. Everyone's a little bit curious for Faith Lehane. It's fine. For Faith Lehane, absolutely. All right, that is it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and me at Noelle Aloud and use the hashtag StillPretty. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Noelle and all the Chipperish patrons who have been letting things fester and they don't like it. They want to be fester free. You can also show your support by giving Still Pretty a glowing review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by knowing in your gut that we don't need the law. We are the law. We will be back next time with Doppelgangland, the 16th episode of season three. Until then, you want to go the long way around? We can do that. We're not getting any older. Just as Xander's about to pass out, Angel comes in, knocks Faith in the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> it's a vampire bat. <laughs> hey, I didn't write that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>